You know, the slower the wallet travels, the more chances they are, they, they, they have to enter the stores, you know. So if you're walking, then, you know, you have chances to enter the stores. If you're cycling, then if you're going by car, you know, you're not gonna, like, it's 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 hard to stop. And then what's amazing about the Rêve Saint-Denis, you know, most of the image that we've seen is that it's a much better street. Yes, it's much better street for a cyclist, but it's much better street for pedestrians. And it's also much better streets for people traveling by car cars as well. Hey everyone, welcome to the Active Towns channel. I'm John Zimmerman, and in this episode, I'm excited to feature a fascinating conversation I recently had with Jean-Francois Rowe, President Directeur General with Velo Quebec. And it's another long one, so let's get right to it. Merci beaucoup. Thank you so very much for tuning in. It's always wonderful to have you along for the ride. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jean-Francois. Jean-Francois Rowe, it is so wonderful to have you here on the Active Towns podcast. Welcome. Hi, John. Such a pleasure to be here and to see you again. Yes, absolutely. And I'm trying to remember, when was the last time we saw each other? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know, perhaps it was at the People for Bikes conference uh, three or three years ago, maybe. But okay. uh, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to remember. It seems like ages ago. It seems yeah, like yeah, another yeah. lifetime. So if it was the, it, yeah, if it was the People for Bikes, that was the Places for Bikes conference. Uh, they had the first one in Madison and then the second one and the final one in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, so that sounds about right. And um, <laughs> it's funny, too, is that we, we kind of ran into each other as well when when I was visiting Montreal and uh, I was there as part of Vela Quebec and invited to come and, and, and document it a little bit. And I uh, shot a little video. Who, who's, who's this in the video? <laughs> this is very interesting, John. Uh, this is my son, uh, Leon, that speaks to the, 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 the mascot, you know, the, the, the I guess um, one of the sponsors of Le Tour de Lille, and in fact, you know, it's a sponsor that's been around for a very long time, is a cow, uh, so milk products. And my son that year was just so uh, impressed by the by the by the mascot so uh <laughs> it's quite nice uh both the mascot and and my son have grown you know <laughs> and the last what was that like this is like four years ago yeah i, I want to say this was might have been it was either 2018 or 2019 so yeah yeah, yeah. so there was a two or three at the time yeah, yeah. time time goes by yeah wow. <laughs> it's quite it's quite funny because at the time i was not working for velo quebec Right. Uh, but I was still participating in the events and I was very impressed with, you know, everything that Vito Quebec put together. So my love for the organization was already there before I joined them. Yeah. Yeah. That was good stuff. Yeah. In fact, at the time you were working with EcoCounter and that's mm -hmm. why we kept running into each other at all the different conferences and, and we'd catch up and, and that was all good. But, uh, I thought that was so sweet cause I had no idea that was your son <laughs> when I was shot that video. It was just such a cool moment of, of seeing your son, you know, connecting with the, the mascot and, and, and the mascot did a great job of just you know, really dancing around, having fun with the music. So it was, it was a good stuff. So why don't you do this? Why don't you take a, just a moment to uh, tell the audience uh, who you are? Uh, they have a little bit of an idea that you used to work for EcoCounter and, and now you're with Velo Quebec. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and uh, do a quick introduction? Yeah, so uh, uh, 
Jean-François Rowe, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've been working in the, you know, cycling and walking for the last, you know, 16, 17 years. And it's funny, as I was thinking about, you know, this interview, I looked back at what, how, how did I enter into the world of cycling and walking? And there was a couple moments that were really important for me. Uh, one is I did exchange studies in Sweden. Uh, and at the time, um, I, you know, was getting around by bike and, you know, I was doing a lot of, of, of things by bike and it was just so natural and it was great. I'm a kid from the suburbs. So, you know, I didn't like I had a bike, but it was for fun, a little bit for transportation to get to my work when I was in high school. But it was never amazing because lack of infrastructure, but also distances. And then there was another moment, Montreal, the transit, transit strike in uh, 2004 that led to uh, uh, me, you know, needed to go university by bike and I realized that it was faster and more fun you know to travel by bike and since then I you know started to become like a regular cyclist in the winter uh and in the and and basically all the time so it's 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 interesting like to me when I looked at these things like I, I was not born you know with a passion for bikes this came as you know opportunity came on and it was another moment that was quite important and interesting was um in 2005 Vélo Québec organized a conference uh, that was called like the Le Vélo au Coeur de la Ville so cycling in the heart of the city and they brought an expert from the U.S. Uh, his name is Michael Ronkin. Uh, Michael, at the time, was bicycle pedestrian coordinator for the state of Oregon. John, do you have, have you met Michael? You know, uh, Michael and I are connected on uh, social mm-hmm. media. Um, I think that he moved to Switzerland. Um, yes. I'm not sure exactly what year he moved to Switzerland, but I think that he and I have been mostly connected through social media since yeah. he made that move to, to, to yeah, Switzerland. Yeah, excellent. So yeah, yeah uh, M- Michael's uh, Swiss, you know, so I think he was born in Switzerland, mm-hmm. but he made most of his professional career in the US. Right. And he was one of the leader, um, uh, you know, in the bicycle pedestrian movement, uh, teaching a lot of classes, a lot of complete street classes, and, you know, promoting the concept of, of road diet. Uh, uh, with Peter Lagaway from Seattle and right. you know a bunch bunch of others. So Velo Quebec in 2005, Velo Quebec invited him to a workshop and for and this guy you know that was like American but also spoke perfect French because that was one of his first language and he starts you know you know saying that hey we can build our street better we can you know create more space for bikes and this is easy and this makes a lot of sense and this was a, a moment where i realized that okay you can actually work professionally related to cycling and mm-hmm. and a few months later i joined eco counter which was a great great adventure I, I worked with them for a little bit over 15 years and I, you know, travel the world, helping different communities to collect data and, you know, measure the success. And it was at a very interesting time where, you know, investment were accelerating. So I've been, you know, really blessed to be part of such a movement that has been uh, so interesting and so great. But, you know, these the, the, the special moments at the beginning, like, you know, this meeting with Michael and also the transit sprite, like, there are little details, but they really made a difference in my passion for 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 bicycle and in my view uh, uh, this. And and I think that it's been such a, a blessing to be part of such a strong movement that really you know accelerated uh, in the last ten years. And now you know like so many communities are doing so much. Uh, and it makes a difference in people's life, whether it's like building walking infrastructure, cycling infrastructure. 
you know, not everyone has the opportunity to be part of something that is that is so important and, and, and so big. And I think that when we will be looking back, you know, at the last decade, I will be really, really impressed of everything that has been done. Yeah, yeah, oh, I, absolutely. So going back to that time when you were really prompted to get out on the bike uh, by uh, circumstances beyond your control, the transit strike, what was it like, you know, riding around on a bike at that time? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it's quite interesting. Like uh, Montreal had cycling infrastructure, but not but but nothing amazing, you know. And this was so there was like a push in the '80s, then you know a push, you know, around 2007, and now we had a recent push uh, with the arrival of the Rev on Saint Denis, and then a new level of infrastructure. So so there were some, but you know, most of my ride to school was on streets without bicycle infrastructure, and at the time. I wasn't, I wasn't scared of riding in traffic. In fact, you know, I enjoyed the adrenaline to share the the space with uh, with fast cars and things. And 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 at the time, you know, it was it was it was okay for me. It was it was good. So, but some infrastructure were there, but uh, but but it wasn't all great like it is right now. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely getting better. And we're going to play a little bit of the video that uh, Clarence Eckerson shot from Street Films about the Rev. And, and we'll, we'll do that later in the program because uh, you have some a couple of interviews in there. What city were you in when you were in Sweden? Uh, Göteborg, so Gothenburg on the west coast of, of Sweden. Have you ever visited? Let's see. You know, uh, Laura and I had the chance to go to Malmo and uh, Lund uh, just uh, yeah. a, a little uh, further up. It was like the next uh, train stop up up the way, and we had our Bromptons yeah. with us, and so we, you know, we decided to just take the train over from Copenhagen and uh, pop up, and then we rode down from from Lund down to uh, Malmo, and. Psh- just absolutely wonderful. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I could totally see that, you know, having that that experience in Sweden really sort of planted a, an mm-hmm. interesting seed for you. Uh, how old were you at that time? Twenty three. Yeah. Twenty three. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And 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 I remember, you know, like so. I did my thing in Sweden. I biked around all the time. Then I come back to Montreal. I'm sitting in this conference room. Michael Ronkin is saying like, oh, we can build bike lanes. We can build bike paths, you know? And I remember thinking, like, I remember a specific moment where I was like, were there any bike lanes in Sweden? And then I would be like, yes, they were like everywhere on every street, you know? So it it wasn't like, you know, um, Michael Covell Anderson says that, in in Denmark, you know, you don't ride a bicycle. You're just a normal person, you know. But it was really that feeling, yeah. that feeling of 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 you know, like I just needed to get to university, and I I just used a bike, and that's how I got around. And it was you know faster than the tram and and, and things. So it wasn't like a lifestyle or a mode, you know. It was just what everybody did. Yeah. And I think that that's what we need to accomplish in North America. And somehow Montreal is. is is ahead of the curve in terms of building like a cycling culture. Yeah. We see all sorts of people riding bikes here. We see, you know, business people, students, uh, you know, we have a very good share of women riding, but still, you know, um, 
if someone rides a bicycle in the winter, it's perceived that something at someone that is uh, weird or or or, or special, you know, yeah, more hardcore, <laughs> pushing. Yeah, yeah so, exactly, so, exactly. So yeah, don't rub it in that you guys are like one of the best mode shares in <laughs> all of North America. So so that brings us to Villa Quebec because they uh, are a very very interesting institution. Why don't you give us a, a sketch of of the mm-hmm. organization and sort of you know all the different things that you guys are, are involved in. Of course, of course. Well, Velo Quebec has been around, you know, since 1967. So it's an organization that started promoting, you know, cyclotourism, uh, cycling tourism uh, uh, with uh, with kids, with young young people. Then it evolved, you know, around the 80s, it became Velo Quebec. And then uh, there the, the, there's like four pillars, you know, in, in, in Philippic. First, we have the association where we have, you know, the programs where we, you know, teach bikes, uh, where we teach cycling, where we, you know, gather information, where we manage the Rodevelt program. Um, we also have uh, events. Uh, we organize events to celebrate cycling. Uh, we also have a travel agency where we, you know, bring people on bikes, whether it's in Europe or in Quebec or in Canada. And finally, we have a, a section that is uh, publications uh, where we, you know, have a couple of magazines and then we publish books. Of course, you know, the publications were uh, much more useful in the 80s and 90s where maps and all sorts of guides and educations were, you know, at the core of, of everything that happened in, in cycling. Right now, you know, the, the, the shift is, is like the business model of a magazine is much different than it was 20 years ago, but, but it's still a useful tool, you know, to publicate the, the, the message. So, you know, I talked about the four different divisions, but, you know, if, if we put it in other words, we have three parts, education, information, and celebration. So, you know, these three words, I think, describe, you know, how uh, Quebec approach, uh, Velo Quebec's approach to promoting cycling, having more people cycling more often. And speaking of education, you know, this is uh, an example of that. What's, what's going on in this shot? Yeah, so uh, our program Cycliste Averti um, is, is, has been designed, you know, to teach a fifth and sixth grader to use the bicycle in the urban context. So, um, so you know, we're there to teach the, 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 the code de la route, the, um, you know, like the road, road codes, interactions with vehicles, because it's still very much like this in Montreal, even though we're, we're, we're good. So we have a theoretical part with a little exam, and also we bring kids out and, and, and drive around, uh, and bike around, sorry, around their schools. And this program, has been very successful. Uh, we have over 300 groups, you know, that participate all across Quebec. We have, we are almost in in every part of Quebec. There's a couple of regions where we are not, but, uh, uh, and then we do that with our partners to, uh, so we have a great like syllabus, you know, the things that they need to follow and uh, we provide them funding and then they can execute this program. So that's really good in, in building, you know, the culture and the confidence at a very early age. Speaking of um, early age, a very yeah, early age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a different program. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is Jardin. Du, actually, um, uh, we have we have two different projects: Jardin du Petit Mont à Bicyclette, which is a permanent like traffic garden, mm-hmm. and we have this version that we can see here, which is a temporary traffic garden. Mm-hmm. So so it's it's for younger kids. Yeah. So in this case, you know, uh, Leon that we saw in the photo at the beginning, like enjoy quite a lot, you know. 
know, riding the Jardin du Petit Mont à Bicyclette. So the idea, you know, we've seen this uh, in, in, in Europe, but it's also more and more common. The idea is that you can play experiencing the roads. You can, like, you see stop signs, you see lines. So, so we teach, you know, the different uh, traffic signs, but we also teach technical abilities, you know, riding on a line or maybe jumping on, jumping a, a little, um, uh, over a little bump, you know, so then they're, they're, on one side, there's like, you know, the traffic relation to, to things. And on the other side, there's the, the skills, you know, the, the, the technical skills. And, and these programs are, are, are so amazing because they bring a lot of joy, you know, to the kids. And they also bring confidence and interest in, in cycling. And it's been such a key in our interaction with, with, with kids. The level of happiness or the level of, of, of joy that these program creates are is, is really amazing yeah and i'm going to pull up um some photos here of uh, from the the magazine too and, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that and you're absolutely right gosh <laughs> the whole world has changed in terms of of publications and you know a physical magazine versus an online magazine and and things of that nature uh how has that really impacted has a lot of your stuff gone to online format and I mean, we're still, you know, Velo Mag, you know, it's still a, a, you know, like a typical magazine with subscription with paper copy. We have the chance to have a great group of subscribers that are really supporting, you know, the magazine. And our um, editor in chief, Jacques Sénéchal, you know, wants to make sure that content stay relevant and that we can talk about all sorts of just technical things and all different types of topics and the new trends, whether it's like bikepacking or or gravel bikes, or or like stay on top of 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 what's interesting. But this magazine has has chosen to stay, um, you know, really focused at existing cyclists, and that's really great. Over uh, five or six years ago, uh, Vélo Québec started a, a magazine that was like urban cyclists, and then where we you know, started to talk about, you know, the different, like still tools and bikes, you know, in the urban context, but also, um, also, uh, uh, you know, infrastructure and, and, and stuff like this. And then the, the business model around this magazine was a little bit difficult. Uh, uh, we wanted we wanted to make sure at the time Vito Quebec wanted to make sure that the 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 magazine was free, so we can see like these these these, these challenges. But um. One of the things that I want to improve in in 2022 uh, is, you know, the idea that uh, we feed our members with technical information about infrastructure or about you know good bicycle infrastructure and and, and stuff and, and 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 that our members can be ambassadors uh, and talk to you know the different level of politicians to say hey you know we know what's a good bike path now and then we want you to build better infrastructure and and I, and I think that you know even though the business model of magazines and, and and publications is is much different than it was um, there's still a role you know for information and then to promote information. Yeah. Speaking, speaking, speaking of information, you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're bringing uh, our statistics from our, um, from our, our, our big report that we do every five years, mm-hmm. State of Cycling in Quebec. And this report is really great. And it was, it's been done since, you know, uh, 1995. Uh, and the idea is that we deeply look into a, sta- a, a snapshot of, 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 you know, the different numbers related to c- cycling. 
Yeah. Uh, we've been able, with that, you know, we've been able to document the growth of cycling in Quebec. This report, which I encourage you to go uh, visit online, State of Cycling 2020, is very useful to support our, our narrative with the media. Right. When we're trying to advocate for more infrastructure, you know, for more investment in, in cycling, like these numbers we use, you know, every day. And journalists also refers to them when it's like the number of cyclists in Quebec, uh, the amount of cycling that is being done. And in 2020, there was a couple of reports like we see that older people are cycling more. And that's really great uh, because we want to make sure, you know, we stay active as we get older. Uh, so that, that's been very positive. And then the other thing also that, that we're seeing from the data is that people want more infrastructure. So it's really clear, like they, they express their preference in writing where they feel safe. Uh, and then they want politicians to, you know, invest in cycling. Like, you know, like a vast majority of people want to have want to have their city invest in more cycling uh, and, and cycling infrastructure. And we've seen this, like we just had a, a, a municipal election here in Montreal. I mean, without, I mean, of course, everyone could debate my vision about uh, how I saw this, but uh, we had one party that, that says, yeah, you know, we support bike lanes. And then the other party was, you know, questioning bike lanes and they, they were not against, but, you know, they were, they were not in favor. Like they were, you know, they tried to, you know, wedge the issue and uh, it didn't pay, pay off well for them right. uh, because I think people are ready for more, you know, yeah. Whether it's in New York, London, Paris, uh, we saw it in Vancouver, in Ottawa, politicians that support cycling, uh, you win because you know that's what people want. So, um, so, so, anyways, we we also see this in the in the data that our research team has been uh, producing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty Im impressive numbers here. I'll make sure to have a, a, a link below that uh, gives you the ability to see this uh, graphic up close. And what really, you know, is striking about this is, like you said, this is part of that information that you're providing and giving to, um, you know, the, the community members and to the politicians and to the leadership. And, and it's so powerful to be able to have that information. And it seems like you're covering, you know, all the different uh, information distribution channels. You've got the, the, the more the magazine that's still geared towards the regular cyclists, but then you're also, uh, you know, creating information that is, you know, celebrating the changes that have been happening in the city and in the province. And then, uh, you know, continuing to do that. But then the events, huge, because the events in, end up being something that really reinforces and makes it real for people you know, talk about your, your especially in, in the city in the summertime, you have two signature events that just bring people out by the thousands. Talk a little mm -hmm. bit about that. Yeah, in this, you know, in the 80s, Vélo Québec created Le Tour de Lille. And Le Tour de Lille is basically, you know, like a, an event uh, where, uh, you know, we'll have like 50 kilometers, 60 kilometers of streets that are close to traffic so people can experience the city, uh, experience the city without cars, experience the city without, you know, traffic lights. And, and it's such a celebration. First, getting back to me being a, a, a kid, you know, the photo just behind me is a poster of the Tour de Lille. My first Tour de Lille was, was, was that one. And I remember the feeling of freedom and the the feeling of accomplishment that i that i you know experience with with the event and 
you know, um, I think this is really important to give people the trust and the and the, the to give people the confidence to write to to ride a bicycle in the city. And to me, it's been it's been key. This was the you know my long existence. The first time I rode in the big city, I was like 16. So these events play a big role in in, in young people. Like on, in this photo, you know, there's this little guy that is maybe seven years old. Perhaps it's his longest longest ride of his life. And 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 you know by by creating these moments of celebration and usually you know last year we did it in in the, at the end of august because of the pandemic you usually we do it at the beginning of june beginning of the season right. so it's really a, a a start to the cycling season and the role of these events uh, has proven to be really good um also you know the, the these events back in the 80s and 90s really helped velo quebec to become such a strong organization by, you know, being able to generate, uh, you know, like funding to create other programs and create other things. So, so these, like, like now the business model of these events is a little bit different because it costs more to, they, they, they cost more to, to, uh, to operate and, you know, more security, more, more things, but, but still, you know, like the, the value of them uh, in the, this big celebration and, I have to say that, you know, when I, I so I joined Villa Quebec about a year ago and, and I remember riding, riding my bike to work uh, in the spring and I say, hey, I'll never be able to experience Tour de Lille in the same way that I did before. I never, I, you know, I, I, I've, I, I will have to, you know, be working, you know, on these days on the event. And, uh, and, and, and it's, I mean, it's great to be on the other side of it now, but, um, but I still remember, uh, and, and you start by showing photo of my, of, of my son, uh, I would never miss, you know, Tour de Lille because um, it was such a special moment. And, you know, the timing of it made, made it, you know, made it all very often. It was often adjacent to the conf- the Velo City conference mm-hmm. that happened at the same time of year. So, you know, quite often either I would like return on the on the night before, or right. I would leave. You know, the night of because because I would never wanted to meet, uh, uh, miss this. Now you're showing a photo of of Tour la nuit, and and this is also you know it's the same weekend. So we have one big bike ride on on Friday night, and then the Tour de Lille is on Sunday. Um, so so Tour la nuit is also such a special event uh, we um, we started that just after just after the sunset and you know cyclists and participant brings you know lights and it's such a celebration because it's at night so it's even more feels even more special uh, the, it's about 20 25 kilometers uh, it's very popular with kids that want to ride it because it's a shorter ride and and also such a special moment and and you know if you looked at all like on these photos like sometimes you know you, you want to have photos you want to find smiles but now it's it's so easy everyone's smiling everyone's happy yeah. of, of course like we have the chance to have a, a, an event that is very well known that has a big legacy but even smaller you know even smaller celebration like i remember experiencing the the sunday uh, portland so the oh, the, yeah. the, the, like the sunday open yeah yeah yeah, yeah open mm-hmm. streets open yeah. street things you know yeah. like these events are are such a celebrations and simple uh and i think they play a really big role in creating and fostering a cycling cultures in cities. 
Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And and having had the opportunity to to experience both of those events back to back, the Friday and then and then the Sunday events, um, such a pleasure and such joyful uh, experience. I mean, people are just having such a ball. Plus, it's always fun to ride at night, especially mm-hmm. if you've got your 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 bike decked out with lots of fun uh, lights on it, and you know everybody's just having a ball. And what I also was it what struck me about these events is the number of people in the community that came out along the course the entire way to cheer you on and to you know and, and it it was like it, it's like a spectacle and and <laughs> and you just got the sense that you know next year those people who were standing there applauding will be out riding it yeah no i mean it's it's always you know struck me of, you know, people that would be like for two or three hours outside, you know, playing music, dancing on the side, you know, just on the side of the, of on the side street of the event, just to, you know, celebrate it and, you know, be with neighbors and then applaud. And, and, you know, um, but it makes sense, you know, all of a sudden, like an hostile, an hostile place like a street uh, becomes like a celebration. Um, so I think that it makes sense that people are, 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 are happy. Uh, people are, you know, there to, uh, to, to support. I always, you know, like, like, like sometimes, you know, they'd be like, yeah, let's go. You can do it. You can do it. Only three kilometers to go, you know? And I was like, and, and, you know, it's like, they didn't like, they don't, I, I would like to tell them that it's not as hard as they think it is, right. you know, like it's very easy and it's, yeah. I, I write that to go to work every day. So, right. um, so, 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 you know, uh, but, but it's true that um, this event has been part of, you know, Montreal, Montreal's culture and, you know, all the, the, I, w- I was going to say stakeholders, but it's not really stakeholders, but I mean, the citizens are really happy to participate and right. to support. Um, so, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I invite everyone to come and experience the event. You know, I think it's definitely, uh, it's a great time of year to be in Montreal and it's a very good experience. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the other aspects that you had mentioned about the organization is, you know, sort of the, uh, the tourism aspect of it. So where is the Grand Tour? Um, so this was a promo video of the 2020 event that we ended up canceling because of the pandemic, right? <laughs> because of what? Pandemic. But the images are from the previous year, you know, and, and um, Grand Tour has been, you know, um, you know, it's since the 90s and it was built, you know, as an event to celebrate, you know, cycling, like cyclotourism or, or, you know, like long, long distance cycling. And we bring the event everywhere in Quebec. And in fact, you know, there was even a, a, a year where the cyclists went across the border and then uh, traveled a little bit in Vermont and, and New York State. So, uh, and we've been to Ontario. Um, so the idea of, of, of this event is that, you know, you come for, for five, six days and everything is organized for you. The only thing that you need to do is ride your bike. Right. So, you know, we take care of all your meals. We take care of, you know, uh, you can either like camp or you can stay in a hotel and it's 1500 cyclists that are there just to have fun, just to cycle together. And, and some of them, and some of them choose to party as well. <laughs> and, and we have different, you know, it's, I, w- I would say like the days we go between 60 kilometers and, you know, 150, and then you can do, you know, extra loops and, 
and if 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 you want to so you can this event is 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 there to um uh, uh you know it's an all inclusive cycling uh party this year in 2022 we're uh well, in fact we haven't really announced where it's going to be but uh <laughs> but uh we're working on uh you know like a great a great course uh, like a great um uh, like circuit uh mm-hmm. with uh, with challenges and um you have all sorts of people that that attend the the, the auto. You have people that will ride, you know, uh, probably like you, John. You know, like hundred kilometers in in you know just like uh, two and a half hours. <laughs> but you also Not have anymore. people like me. <laughs> but you also have people like me that like to go slow and you know enjoy the scenery, talk to people, you know, stop and visit and 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 and, and talk and. And um, and if something happens, uh, you know, you get a flat area, you have access to mechanics. Right. Uh, if if you don't want to ride anymore, we have buses, we move the luggages. So um, it's a it's an awesome event, yeah. and it was created as a launch to the the, the year Vélo Québec as a, a building, La Maison des Cyclistes, uh, and it was um, and 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 this building was open the year of their first uh, Grand Tour. And at the time, you know, lots of people, like it was it was a long Grand Tour, like it was long days. And we were not, like participants were not, like the equipment was not the same. Like mm-hmm. the bicycles were not the same. The gears were not the same. So you had like people that, you know, left Montreal in jeans and 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 and, <laughs> yeah. and just rode, you know, right. like hundreds of kilometers across Quebec. And I wasn't I wasn't there at the time, but I was told it was such a it was such a, a, a great event. So um so Grand Tour, usually, you know, in the in the first part of August. So we we've announced the dates already, but the, the location will be announced a little bit a little bit uh, later. Fantastic. But we also we, we also have a, a, a sister event, which is a smaller version of it, and it's called La Petite Aventure, like mm-hmm. the small adventure. Right. And the yeah. idea then the idea is is the same, you know, like three days. But with a, a circuit, like with distances that are even um, uh, shorter. And the idea of La Petite Aventure is for families to be able to, you know, travel by bike. Um, so, you know, not everyone feels ready, you know, to go travel long distances with kids. But to do it in a supported way where you don't have to, you know, where you don't have to take care of your meals or, or, or you know, t- things like this is uh, much easier and it's great celebration and you can see in the images you know it's not it's not all the typical sporting people you have all sorts of people that ride but the one thing that they have in common with the grand tour is joy you know Uh, the happiness is really great yeah what i love about the fact that uh, you as an organization that is you know have all of these different channels and they really help support each other and, you know, the joy of getting out on the bike and having an event in the city at night and, you know, the, the petite adventure getting out and, 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 and just reinforcing that, that aspect of, you know, the joy of just getting on a bike and mm-hmm. helping to reinforce, you know, kind of that other side of what y'all are doing, which is trying to uh, get more people riding more often. And, you know, that transformation of, uh, you know, the built environment, you know, within the city and uh, the city of Montreal, but also other mm-hmm. cities throughout the, the, the province. Um, I had to I had to look up just how big the province was today. And I'm like, 
Oh my gosh. It's, it's like one of the, if not the largest province of the lower provinces in, in, mm-hmm. in the, in the country. And, uh, so there's a lot of territory that you could choose for your grand yeah. tour, but yeah, so much, so much to explore. I mean, beautiful, beautiful country. And, uh, and that just kind of goes back to, to reinforcing, you know, what you see happening on the ground because mm-hmm. it's normalizing getting on a bike and, and doing it more frequently doing it. You know, if it's not just for the summertime, it's not just for, you know, these adventures, it's, mm-hmm. it's for every day. Yeah. One of the things that we try to put the emphasis on, you know, and we can see it through these events is that bicycle means business, you know, and then this is a line from the League of American Bicyclists. Yeah. But um, the idea that that, you know, like the tourism, cycling tourism is really good for um, it's really good for the like the economy. It's funny. Um, I was attending Velocity in uh, last September and then the head of tourism for Spain said uh, for Portugal, sorry, said that um, cycling tourism is the best way to spread your uh, economic uh, benefit over, you know, uh, across your territory, you know, to make sure that you have all this money to go, you know, in, in lots of places. It's also a great way to have your, your tourism money to go in small businesses, whether it's like hotels or restaurants or things. And then it's not like, you know, the big cruise ship or, you know, like, you know, like the mega, like the mega cities that attract, you know, lots of people like it's, 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 you know, one of the best tools for sustainable tourism. And, you know, if a country like Portugal or, you know, a state like Oregon or Arizona or, you know, across the, the United States are starting to you know, understand this and, and, and get it. And, um, and, in, and for us, you know, in Quebec, we have La Route Verte, we have, you know, the culture of cycling. But I, you know, when I speak to our governments, you know, they, they don't understand all the possibilities of this. And we had someone from Lonely Planet that uh, came, you know, to ride the Le Petit Train du Nord um, and, and other things. And he was like, he was like, I took, you know, I, I bike to the metro in New York. I took the, the, the metro to St. Albans, Vermont, and then I've been on a bike for 10 days. This was like so easy for me. How come I didn't know that this existed right. before? And then he rode on La Route Verte, you know, and mostly separated infrastructure. So we need, like Quebec needs to do a better job at, you know, telling the story about how fun it is to bike in, you know, the province, but also, um, but, 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 but also, understand that these tourism dollars have an impact and they're, they're, they're very useful. And these events, like the, these big events are, are a way for us to attract attention uh, by, you know, the local mayors, like the, the politicians. And, and I would tempt to, I would tempt to think that on the local level, many cities and, and, and municipalities and, and, and um, you know, like counties, uh, equivalent of counties, like they understand that cycling is important, but we need to do a better job to make sure the province understands that you know the tur- the cycling tourism dollars are you know only benefits yeah yeah absolutely so one of the things that you know really came out uh from my visit there and and also uh you, you touched upon it a little bit of the importance you know at the city level 
and getting the, the, you know, the politicians to understand it earlier, you, you had talked about even some of the elections and all that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to play just a little bit of, um, you know, Clarence's, uh, recent, uh, video from, from his visit. He was able to make it up there, uh, this year. Um, I think the dates kind of got shifted around a little bit. You mentioned it wasn't in June. It was more like in August. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad he was able to get that in. So let's cue this up and, and play this. We're not going to play the whole thing folks. You can go over and, and watch this, uh, amazing street films video that Clarence put together, but I want to play just a little bit of it. Montreal is a great city for biking. Anywhere you want to go in the city, for the most part, you can get there. Year after year, we see the numbers and we see it being on the street. (laughs) There's just so many people on their bikes and even in the winter. It's pretty fun to feel that you're in a culture that encourages cycling. There's just so many of us uh, in central boroughs that it makes you feel that like this is a new standard. It's the best way to discover Montreal by cycling. Also, when it's a hot day, you have a nice breeze. It's quicker, easier, safer, makes you feel better. You see people, everybody's happy. Like, what's not to love? In other cities that I've lived in, I've always been an advocate for these things, like pedestrianization and great bike lanes, but actually getting to live it every day, like walk out of my house and just feel safe on the street, it's incredible. The quality of our cycling infrastructure is getting much, much better, and in the last few years, we're finally really understanding what all ages and ability infrastructure should look like. So I'm going to pause it there because I think that's a, that's a really really good and important lesson. There is is that in North America, yes, we can do this, and we're starting to see cities, you know, across the continent that are starting to build authentic all ages and abilities and facilities. And uh, I'm going to fast forward to a couple of different uh, clips that uh, where where you're able to address like one of them where you saw kind of the before and the after of what it is. But talk a little bit about how empowering that has been for you personally and for your family to be mm-hmm. able to live in a city where you had that all ages and abilities infrastructure in place and it keeps getting better and better and better. Yeah. Um, this is very interesting. Like I was talking about my experience as a student, you know, riding everywhere. And as you know, I, when I started to have kids and also when they started to ride bicycle, I realized like, okay, there are places that we cannot go because they cannot ride. And during the pandemic, uh, the city of Montreal had you know, um, uh, temporary bike lanes uh, because of all the space that were left because all the cars were gone. And and this, you know, for, for us, it was so amazing that these bike lanes were there. And then my, at the time, six-year-old daughter could, you know, ride her, 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 her bicycle. And for her, it was freedom. Uh, unfortunately, some of these, some of these are gone now, <laughs> but uh, we're hoping they will come back. But at the same time, you know, it's interesting that my, you know, if I talk about my personal needs, what I needed 20 years ago to ride a bicycle is much different than what I need now yeah. to continue ride a bicycle with my my family and 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 also I don't I'm not sure I want to I want to go, you know, in the arterial streets, uh, six right. lanes, uh, you know, like 50 miles per hour. I, you know, I've done that. It was great, but uh now, you know, I I I I like other things. So, even though Montreal has been, you know, a city of cycling culture and has always had great, you know, cycling, uh, cycling culture, like people cycling. The infrastructure until, you know, until the last maybe two or three years were, we were behind, you know, like you had Dale Bracewell in the program from, from Vancouver. Right, yes. Uh, you know, what, what, 
what they did and what they're doing, you know, what they've been doing, you know, over the last 10 years has been really good, you know, and, 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 you know, I saw the quality of infrastructure uh, that had in Vancouver without necessarily the culture of cycling, like right. you know, the numbers of cyclists in Vancouver are growing and it's, you know, they have over 50% of the, the trips that are made either walking transit or cycling. Uh, so, so it's great, but, you know, I, I saw that Montreal, like were was not necessarily seizing the potential that cycling could have. And that was until, you know, the pandemic. And then after, um, uh, Montreal worked on a rêve, uh, rêve, uh, it goes for Réseau Express Vélo. So, so it's an acronym that was, uh, made in, um, like in France, you know, the, 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 it's basically, you know, cycling super highways, but, uh, but it's not about speed, you know, it's yeah. about quality. Uh, and, and these infrastructure uh, are really a game changer. And, and, and it's quite interesting because they've been controversial. I talked about the, our, our recent policy uh, election and, you know, we have a, at Velo Quebec, we have 60 employees. Not everyone, you know, is an avid cyclist. And, uh, uh, one of my colleagues, when I joined Velo Quebec, she was like, I, I need your insight, Jean-François. I'm not a cyclist. I need, I need you to tell me what to, what to do. And I, I was telling her that, um, no, I mean, you represent, you know, the people that we want to convince you, you know, you represent that. And then uh, in the middle of the summer, last summer, I walk into her office. She has this great electric bike. And uh, I was like, Hey, you came by bike. She's like, yeah, I, you know, I bought a bike and um, you know, I was scared a little bit this morning, but I rode the rev and uh, I think I did okay. And I think it took me like an hour and 10 minutes, but uh, it was fun. And then, you know, two days later, she was down to 45 minutes and, uh, and, you know, a couple weeks later, uh, or like a month later, she was like, cycling to work is my perfect, you know, uh, is my favorite mode of transportation. And she's been someone that worked in the corporate world, you know, her whole life. And, and she, of course, she was like cycling on weekends and right. she was doing bikes, but she never thought about going going to um, work on a, on a bicycle. Like these things would not mix for her. Right. And these infrastructure, the quality of these infrastructure allowed to attract new cyclists. And we've, hear, we've heard stories like this, you know, all over. People that says, I'm starting the bike because of the rev, you know. Uh, one of my neighbor... Uh, you know, he's, he's 13 years old. He goes to school by bike. His parents feel good because it's safe. Uh, and he can also travel between his mother house and his father house. Uh, and, and he's like, oh, for me, cycling is freedom. I don't have right. to wait for my parents to drive me between their, their house. So, so the, you know, there's all these examples that this change of infrastructure has a real, real change on society. And then to get back to my, my colleague, I was, I was telling her like two years ago, were you in favor of this reallocation of space? And she said, no, this made no sense to me. It's like, right. now you're a cyclist and then you would, <laughs> you know, like you would, you would never, you right. never support, you know, removing this. So, so, so it's true that, that, you know, the transformation of our cities uh, allow, you know, new people to ride bicycle and it, and, and it's something that we need to understand in our movement is that we're not, we don't need, we cannot only talk to cyclists. We need to talk to the, you know, general uh, population uh, because our our potential clients. You know, if we talk about about it in that way, they're 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 not people that are currently cycling. Right, and they may not even know that they want to cycle. Like she, she would have voted no on this. So <laughs> and I've got it. And in fact, she did. In fact, she, she did. did vote no. She did vote no. Okay, I've got it queued up. So let's yeah. let's uh, let's let's watch the uh, this little segment uh, that Clarence put together on the Rev. De rêve, 
almost like highways for bikes. It's protected, it's wide, there's a, a bike box, and there's also bike lights dedicated to, uh, for people using their bikes. Our new system is called the REV, which means the Réseau Express Vélo, or Express Bike Network, which is a play on words in French. REV means uh, dream, so it's like our dream network. Before the REV was just a regular street. You had two lanes of cars, and then cyclists had to inch their way somewhere between a car and just be careful. Like, I would never send my kids biking throughout the city if the REV didn't exist. You know, right away, from day one, it's been packed with cyclists and it's broken records for all of the counter places. Like it's already setting records for most cyclists in any location in Montreal. Uh, Saint-Denis recently got Here a protected cycle <laughs> track that were just built in 2020, around 2.2 meters. This makes it a very comfortable infrastructure to ride on. They also added midway pedestrian crossings, so they really do a great job at slowing down cars. They also improved the bus stops. The bus stops are much nicer now, easier to access, there's more space for uh, people to wait. It's had a really transformative impact on that section of the city though, because this was like, it's, it's a commercial street that had been struggling before, and there was so much car traffic that it just wasn't a really pleasant place to walk. And now that we have the cycling infrastructure, like the cars really actually have to go slow. But people really, they'll, they'll do an extra kilometer just to get on the rev, just to be safer now. Uh, more rev. <laughs> more, more street with rev. And, uh... I love it. More rev. <laughs> more dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and, 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 and guess what? He, he said exactly what you were saying, but in a different way. You, when you were talking about, um, you know, bikes mean business and, and, and dollars and tourism dollars, he, you know, Zevi was, was talking a little bit about the fact that, you know, that helped bring vibrancy back into a, a neighborhood in a community because let's face it fast moving cars don't mm -hmm. help business they they kill vibrancy and, and nobody wants to be there no you make an excellent point i was going to say exactly that you know the the it, in in fact you know the slower the wallet travels the more chances they are they, they, they have to enter the stores, you know? So if you're walking, then, you know, you have a chance to enter the stores. If you're cycling, then if you're going by car, you know, you're not gonna, like, it's 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 hard to stop. And then what's amazing about the Rêve Saint-Denis, you know, most of the image that we've seen is that it's a much better street. Yes, it's much better street for a cyclist, but it's much better street for pedestrians. And it's also much better streets for people traveling by cars as well. So whatever mode of transportation, it's a better street. It's less noisy. It's right. more fun to experience. It's easier to navigate. It's safer. You know, like on that street, we had 400 collisions, you know, uh, uh, in the in the last eight years, including like that involved pedestrians or cyclists. Like it, it was, it, I mean, it was, it, it was a difficult, like it, it was a street that was not healthy in the, in the safety way, but also in the economic way. And then, yeah. but, but we need to fight against, you know, the vision that, bike lane, like we still have the vision that bike lanes is not good for business. Like this bike lane was installed in the middle of the pandemic. So uh, we cannot make generalization based on this, but the, the, the street is doing much better than other streets. Uh, new stores are coming. And, you know, I, I would never go on that street because it would not be like, it would not be safe on the bike. And also I would not be like, it, it would not be convenient and it would not be pleasant. Now, you know, I go every day, twice a day and I start, you know, I see stores, I start, you know, shops, 
I was just there last weekend to buy a new desk for my for my home office that I use more than I would like to. But the idea of a complete street, I know that it's a concept that exists, but we need to be better at documenting the economic impact of these things and also maybe focus our selling arguments like it's not about it's not only about bikes. Of course it's great for bikes, but it's also great for everyone. Yeah. So this next clip that I want to show is is the one that I was referencing earlier, where uh, you actually you know do a little bit of a comparison of yeah. you know the earlier infrastructure and then how it got uh, improved. And I think that's important because you know one of the things that that, that I'm fascinated um, you know like in the Netherlands, the Dutch are always fine tuning things and saying you know okay, well we tried this and you know it, it worked well but not quite. We're not getting exactly what we want. But that opportunity to to fine tune the infrastructure and make it even better than it already is. So let's cue this up. I'm Clark here with the new protected bike path. Three years ago, this bike path was improved. Uh, used to be with bollards only. Uh, and they removed the bollards in the winter, so this road was very wide, but no bicycle infrastructure in the winter. Now they created this median with trees and vegetation. Uh, not only that the path is open year-round, it's also a much more pleasant street experience for everyone. Uh, there's a daycare right there, uh, and, and it's nicer for uh, the pedestrians that walks and then the kids. Other cities that I've lived in, even with good bike infrastructure, you kind of have to know the bike map of the city and you, you, you gain that knowledge over time and then eventually you like really know your way around. I think with Montreal, you can just like head out of your house and go as the crow flies in the direction that you want to go and there's going to be a beautiful bike lane for you and you don't need to like access this secret knowledge. This bike lane along... <laughs> I love that part too. <laughs> it's just like, just get on and go and you'll be able to yeah. figure it out. And, and I can, I, I can verify that. I mean, even though it's been a handful of years since I was there, you know, I had a, a fair amount of time to explore and, and my good friend, Ryan Van Duzer, who mm -hmm. also has a YouTube channel, wonderful channel. Be sure to check that out. Duzer. He was also there and we would just, we, we jumped, we did some runs in the, in the city and we also jumped on the bike and did some other exploration. It's very intuitive of being able mm -hmm. to ne negotiate and navigate the city when you have that sort of a network in place. Yes. I think that on Clark street, like the improvement, you know, these, these, Bicycle network were, you know, coming from the 80s, the 90s, and then they needed, you know, they needed to um, be improved. And in fact, you know, like, like everything, it's not that you build it and you leave it. You gotta make sure you improve things. You, you know, bring it to new standards. And and sometimes, like on Clark, like the the road was super wide, and it's it was like a local street. I think the lane was like, I don't know, like 18. 20 feet wide like it was like super wide so it was just um a matter of of re you know rebuilding it part of um like they were redoing the the the, the sewage so they made sure they had like a planted medians with lots of greening the administration of this specific borough the plateau mont royal has used uh cycling to put more trees you know so uh so the bike path is minimum you know uh, uh three meters uh, 15 feet but you know like the the median is is planted with a lot of trees and it's it's great and i think it's a win-win you know, uh, cities and, and, you know, city government needs to, like, 
it's it's not a, it's it's it, it's not a fine let me let me put it this way like the outcome is not to build something building something is great but to make sure you know things adapt and 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 get better like to have uh, to talk about specific example these 15 feet uh, uh, bike path when we get closer to downtown they're really narrow for the amount of cycling traffic that they receive. And uh, bi-directional bike paths are a bit more complex at intersections and things. I think that the city should consider turn them into one way. Uh, you know, um, one way, it's good for, you know, it's good for to accommodate electric bikes that have different speeds and often that want to pass. It's good to accommodate my daughter, Anna, that doesn't ride very fast, you know? So we need to have like a, a certain width. So it's um, it's the idea that the bicycle network needs to evolve and adapt based on, you know, traffic volumes, car volumes, you know, the demands and things. One thing, like when you were in Montreal, like you you stayed in neighborhoods that are really good and, and that have a great, you know, cycling culture and obviously infrastructure. And it's really great. It's amazing. That's where I live. That's where I work. So my life, you know, it can be on the bike, you know, 365 days a year. But uh, not every neighborhood in Montreal is like this. And in the last year, uh, we've seen the administration, you know, pay interest in developing uh, new like rev projects or cycling infrastructure outside, you know, the very dense and very great area. And I think that's really important. And if you go in places where the cycling culture does not exist, usually you have more space and usually you can really perform a real culture change. And yeah. and I think that it's a place where you don't have a lot of demands, you know, it's, you don't have lots of people like me that say, make this better, make this better. You know, like people don't necessarily realize that, you know, they're interested in cycling or that um, cycling is, is, could be an option for them because it's, right. you know, about building options. So, so um, um, wh- whether it's like in the, um, uh, you know, outside the core, like the downtown core of Montreal, the dense core of Montreal, or in the suburbs, Laval, Longueuil, you know, I think it's the role of the politicians to invest in cycling infrastructure and then, and then create, and then it can create the real cultural change of active living and of, you know, better experiencing the cities. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and your your colleague that you work with is a is a great example. You know, she has access to an electric assist bike, and so it makes those longer distances much more feasible. And I want to I want to th- think that um, you had mentioned the conversion of the two ways to the one ways, creating mm-hmm. a, additional space. I think I have the video queued up to that because okay. Clarence actually did cover that. And um, I, I think this is it. So if it's not, we'll, we'll pivot. One. This is how we worked before. And this is not how we're going to work right now. So we're here in Montreal at the corner of Rachel and Saint-Denis. We can see the difference in generation of bicycle infrastructure. Rachel uh, has a bi-directional bike path that was built in about 1985. Uh, Saint-Denis in 2020. So we're on Bellechasse, uh, which is an east-west street uh, where the city installed uh, bike lanes in either direction, separated, so one one side of the street's going east, one side of the street's going west. Uh, It's a change from uh, the previous designs in Montreal, which had been bi-directional in one path. So this gives people more space uh, for kids, for commuters, so that way people can pass or ride side by side. You know, you see these cartoons where people say, hey, there shouldn't be two bikes side by side, but that's the purpose of biking, is you're there to talk to people, you're there to socialize, 
if you're a family, you're going to help your child and push him along. You can't teach a child to bike on a one lane, one behind the other bike path. It's too dangerous. They're wider. I love, I love, I had to get her quote in there. <laughs> so that's, yeah, yeah. that's, that's such a good point. And that's yeah. to your point too, is that, you know, being able to, um, you know, make that transformation and, and sometimes it's, it's by necessity. Sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a, a stepped process in uh, in Seville, Spain, um, you know they put bi-directional uh, cycle tracks down, and you, you were able to you know go from essentially zero percent of people you know riding a bike on a regular basis to you know double digit you know over ten percent of of people mode chair of people using a bike, and eventually they'll they'll do the same thing. They'll do that conversion, you know, convert those two ways, mm -hmm. that two ways cycle track into a one way and then create on the other side of the street, again, take another lane away over there mm -hmm. and create authentic, you know, protected, separated infrastructure because it makes a big difference. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I agree with you that the, you know, incremental approach to things yeah. is the way to go in our movement. You know, some people really hate Sharrows uh, and I understand why. Uh, but, you know, um, I live on the street that had a project to uh, I live right next to a street that had a project that had a bike lane uh, five years ago. And uh, this bike lane was not good enough. So, uh, you know, it was it was they 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 canceled it uh, because some people say you know i can't believe you're putting a bike lane you know dooring and and so on which is you know they're fair but the result is that five years later there's still absolutely nothing you know right. and my favorite example of incremental is market street in san francisco yeah. it started like with sharrows and cars like sharing the space together then it went to a bike lane then it went to a protected you know a bike path uh, then they removed the cars then you know they remove everything else and now you know the 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 the, the street is mostly um for cyclists and trams this process took you know 15 18 years uh, and 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 getting back to what we were saying uh, was um, uh, uh, um, about the fact that the city needs to do things incrementally and in, and in movement. And th there's a really great example of, of how the downtown cycling network started in Vancouver. Uh, during the Olympics, I think it was 2010, uh, they had to close a lane on one of the viaduct that was getting downtown because of proximity of the arena. Um, so the, the Olympic committee was saying you can't have cars that close, you know, so that right. it's laying close. And then, you know, after the game, maybe like a month after someone is saying, Oh, we're, remo we're removing the Jersey on uh, Dunsmere. And, uh, we, you, you, so we're getting back. And then someone says like, you know, people are not complaining. Why, why should we give this space back to cars? You know, let's, yeah. let's take this opportunity to build a bike lane. And this was like the, the, the Dunsmere viaduct was one of the first protected access to downtown Vancouver. Right. And, I, and, and that's why I think that, you know, like cities and civil servant and even activists uh, like, 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 like me need to be creative about the approach and an incremental movement, like always, you know, getting things better. But this idea of um, change and of, of, of movement, it will get us much further than I think looking for the perfect solution from the beginning. Yeah. And I'm seeing uh, an acceleration of that process. So mm -hmm. you had mentioned it took like 15 years, you know, you know, for them to get from this point to this point to this point there in San Francisco. I'm seeing it accelerating now because you're, you're seeing stuff like with the pandemic. We saw stuff, mm -hmm. you know, two years ago that went down to create some space. And then, you know, after very, very quick 
you know, temporary installation time, folks are like, darn, let's do this. (laughs) And boom, you know, it's becoming permanent. And so I've been following this, you know, for the better part of 15 years. And I would say that uh, absolutely things are moving at a much uh, quicker pace. And we need to, because there needs to be a sense of urgency to, to you mm-hmm. know, make these transformations happen. So it's it's good stuff. Uh, Jean-Francois, is there anything that we haven't covered um, yet that you want to make sure we leave the audience with? Uh, no, we did we did a very good job. I, I thought your 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 clips were so relevant to what I was saying. I'm really impressed. Um, so uh, thanks for uh, you know thanks for for showcasing uh, you know all of this and you know again please come to Montreal like you know I'm, I'm everyone that wants to come uh, we'll be happy to have you whether it's Tour de Lille Le Grand Tour we have all these events and we'll make sure you have an experience uh, an amazing experience that you'll remember forever yeah absolutely and make sure you go watch that full video from uh, from Clarence on his experience up there in Montreal and uh, and be sure to be subscribe to his channel <laughs> give it a like and subscribe to it and while you're that, doing that if you enjoyed this please make sure to like and subscribe this uh, as well Jean-Francois thank you so very much it's been such a joy having you on the Active Towns podcast yeah, John thank you so much joy for me and thank you for your work and putting a positive spin on all of this Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode with Jean-Francois Rowe. I really hope you enjoyed it and that you will include Montreal and Vélo-Québec in your future travel and adventure plans. And if you did find some value in this, please give it a thumbs up, share it with a friend, and leave a comment below. Well, that's all for this week's episode. So until next time, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers. <laughs>